Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, this episode is part one of our experiment to create the perfect B2B marketing campaign. Now, this campaign is to promote our demand generation marketing program, the B2B Incubator. Now, every great B2B marketing campaign starts with customer research. So we've got the best in the business, Ryan Gibson, to help us do it. So listen to this episode and by the end, you're going to be able to conduct customer interviews and research like a pro, just like Ryan. Now we explain everything about the campaign in the episode. It makes for great listening, but even better viewing as there's lots of visuals and resources that we share. So make sure you check out the B2B playbook on YouTube too. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Okay, you're about to see the full interview between Monica and Ryan, so you can see how Ryan the pro does it. Ryan is the founder of contentlift.io. He's absolutely the best at doing this, so we had to get him on board for this part of the experiment. Monica asks Ryan some great questions at the end about conducting customer interviews, so make sure you tune into it. Okay, let's get into it. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be part of this. I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, like regardless of what happens. Quick introduction. I think Monica, you know who Ryan is. Like Ryan's our customer interview expert. He's the founder of Content Lift and that we're trying to build like the perfect B2B marketing campaign. That all starts with really deeply understanding the customer, which is you, um, understanding your motivations, what the benefits are so we can help more people like you get through the program. And Ryan, Monica, she 
is B2B marketing manager at a company called Edstart here in Australia. She's an awesome marketer. Um, we've been, I guess, around each other for some time. And uh, I guess we'll probably leave it to the rest of the interview to uncover a lot more. Mm-hmm. Brian, I'll hand over to you. So um, what, how I want us to think about this is um, there's no really right or wrong answer today. It's really just your lived experience. I'm going to run through a whole range of questions. And I'm just trying to get at some things that are very specific that the B2B playbook wants to understand. So if I'm not phrasing a question well, um, or you don't understand something, please just ask me to rephrase. Um, happy to repeat myself as well. And I also will probably repeat myself a few times by design because there's some specific things that I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't feel pressured to answer if you don't have something, right? So again, like I said, no right or wrong answer. It's really just your lived experience. How does all that sound? That sounds good. Any questions before we get started? No, let's rock and roll. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about your role at Ed Start. I want to hear about sort of what you do on a day-to-day and weekly. All right. So my official title at Ed Start is the B2B marketing manager. Um, I work in a fairly small marketing team of about uh, five people, um, which in my experience has been quite typical, at least in the B2B organizations I work in, marketing team is usually pretty small. Um, so my day-to-day can be very varied. Um, tend to be a jack-of-all-trades. So one day I could be writing email copy. Uh, next day I could be looking into our CRM and trying to do some kind of pipeline analysis. Um, uh, interspersed with writing social media posts for the company to post out, um, attending meetings with sales, trying to get some insights into the customer um, through those things. So really just covering a wide spectrum of marketing from strategy to execution and like the daily tactical stuff that we marketers you know, have to do. When you say strategy, are you... Is the strategy incumbent on you? Like, are you, do you own marketing strategy? Yeah, I kind of, uh, I like to get a, a sense of the big picture before I dive into doing the nitty gritty work. I think that's just me personally. Um, and that's how I like to do things. So it wasn't really, it's never been officially part of my remit uh, in the B2B businesses I've worked in. Uh, Possibly because, and I hate to say, maybe the business leaders don't see marketing as having a strategic role or function in the business. So I really had to kind of like push my way in there and go, no, 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 look, uh, before you start asking me to execute on things, um, there needs to be a strategy first. uh, And marketing is part of a strategic function of the business. uh, Because really what I'm trying to do is be that bridge between what you're selling and the customer and meeting the needs of the customer. Um, so to me, that's just the point of a business is to sell something. Um, and so I've had to like just kind of come in there and say, yeah, okay, uh, before I start doing stuff or making recommendations and what to do, um, let me spend a few, a few months, a few days trying to work out the strategy. Um, so yes, it is part of my, uh, my function. Or my role, but I've kind of had to be a bit pushy in making 
making that happen. Do all the five people in that team, do they report to you? No. So how does, what's it, who do you report into? I report to the head of marketing. So there's a head of marketing and you're the marketing manager. That's right. Okay. What are you on the hook for? Like when it comes to the objectives of the business right now, as it stands right now, like what are you, what, what are you, what are the key things that you have to own, key responsibilities? All right. Um, the key responsibilities for me, as I said to you, was coming up with the strategy and then setting goals, or at least in my mind, uh, working with the business to find out what the overarching business goals are and then seeing how marketing can contribute to making those goals, reaching those goals. Um, so in my mind, I'm here to make sales easier um, and really to figure out a way to get qualified leads into our pipeline that actually turn into a sale. What does the head of marketing so, do? Sorry to interrupt you, but what are they that's okay. for? Uh, well, they mainly do a lot of brand stuff. Okay. So very sort of high-level brand campaigns, making videos um, and ads. Try and, it's a it's a new company that I work at. It's a startup. Well, has started, probably more on the scale-up phase now. Um, so being you know quite a new player in the market, there's a lot of brand work being done just to get people familiar with who we are and what we do and to associate like positive emotions with the brand um, and they've been really focused on that side of things um, and when I came in I really wanted to get my hands dirty with making sure that marketing was contributing to revenue as well. Okay. All right folks quick breather here in my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. So that was your... That that was a lot of you driving that, as opposed to that being dictated to contribute. Yes. Would you say that you're more on the the tactical execution side of marketing rather than sort of the brand side of things? Yes. Okay. Who who does report into you? Uh, no, I don't uh, manage anyone. Um, there okay. are the, the rest of the team are more junior in the sense that they're just younger and less experienced than I am. So. Okay. We do tend to collaborate, though, and um, oftentimes I will not dictate, but give a general sense of direction and make sure that we're all working together. We understand um, what I think we need to do as a team to help the business. Walk. So you said jack of all trades. Mm. Walk me through a bit of that. What What does that mean? What are you, Why are you a jack of all trades right now? 
yeah, small team, as I said. So uh, unlike what I imagine a larger marketing team might be, where you might have roles that are very specialized and quite niche, uh, where you might do one specific function, for example, performance marketing, where you're just tasked with um, lead generation and lead routing and managing those leads as they go through uh, the funnel. Or you might just be sort of like an SEO marketer and your specialty is SEO. Um, whereas I said, I've always worked in small marketing teams. So mm-hmm. um, you kind of have to really get your hands dirty in all kinds of things, managing the website or any social media posts, even knowing a little bit of design. I'm not a great designer by any means, but I know how to use Adobe Photoshop um, and InDesign, how to piece like really basic images together. Uh, so that's what I mean by being the jack of all trades. These other five roles, what what are their disciplines within marketing? What do they do? At EdStart? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the the team is, um, we don't have narrowly defined functions. At least our titles don't reflect that. Um, but so I'm the marketing manager. We have another marketing manager who is a partner success marketing manager. We have the head of marketing and then we have the more junior marketers who are just called executives. Um, and so they do kind of like really tactical kind of work. Um, and then we have a one content writer as well. So actually his function is quite specific and quite narrow. He's mainly just writing uh, blog blog articles. Okay. In the context of you adopting sort of the sole, the sole champion of revenue and having to be all these jack-of-all-trades or having to be the jill-of-all-trades, I guess. I don't know what's the proper terminology. <laughs> Person-of-all-trades. I don't mind being called uh, Jack. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting there as the person that's responsible for all these new initiatives you want to try mm. to increase revenue. You're saying mm. it's a, you know you're a bit of a, a jack of all trades with a little bit of knowledge here and there. Mm. How did you start figuring out how to solve these problems that you're facing as someone who had not tackled these things before or was spread? How did I figure out how to do these things? How did you first start just trying to tackle the the challenges you were bumping into all right well i mean as as a person of one who's really focused on the revenue i've just had to kind of come in there and identify big picture the direction i think we can go as a company and then break that down into smaller tasks knowing full well that it's a small team and i'm the one that's kind of really more focused on the revenue side of things um so my first sort of major project was, uh, this will be no surprise to you, Ryan, um, getting as deep an understanding of our customers as possible. Yeah. Um, so that for me entailed um, talking to the actual customers and interviewing them and putting those things together. But, you know, it's not like we live in a perfect world where I could tackle these tasks in a very linear step one, step two, step three, when you're in a marketing team. That's small. You kind of have to execute and do these strategic things, build the foundation. At the same time, it's the saying goes, trying to change the the tire of a moving car. Um, so 
it's really just a matter, I guess, for me, identifying the, the foundational pieces of marketing that I think need to be in place before we can do it properly. Uh, and then also helping to execute the stuff that's already in play. Uh, so helping the current marketing team with just keeping up social media posts, running events, um, helping to refine the messaging for sales and, and creating sales collateral, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like just trying to build the the foundation while at the same time doing all those other things, which is quite challenging, but it's kind of just like the nature of how things are. So what was challenging about doing them both at the same time? Uh, for me, it's, uh, I prefer, um, just being a bit more focused. Uh, I'm not great at multitasking. I hate context switching. It takes a while for my brain to kick in. Um, so my preference is to like at least maybe bucket my days where one day I'm concentrating just on strategy or, you know, parsing through customer interviews and mining them for insights. Um, mm -hmm. And then one day doing kind of like the sort of more low level work that doesn't require as much focus or concentration, um, which to be fair, I've, I've been able to do uh, quite well at Ed Start. Let me ask me ask this, ask this a different way. When you got into Head Start and you wanted to focus on sort of these foundational pieces, mm. how comfortable were you with sort of creating the framework and strategies? What would you say was your like your your understanding of how to do that? Um, I was quite comfortable doing it. Like I kind of knew what to do, but at the same time, I knew I had to admit to myself. I was kind of very unstructured the way I was doing it. I felt very yeah. haphazard, um, which is why a uh, quick plug for George. George's um, demand gen course really appealed to me because um, I think just having some kind of program where I could in some way tackle each of these major building blocks do one component and then know that that one's done and then I can move on to the next one and then move on to the next one. Just that kind of structure would really help. Um, and just having a, a process that was documented so that I wasn't doing it on my own and that the rest of the team could also see what I was doing without me having to pull them aside every two days and explain to them, this is what's happening now, this is what I'm doing. Um, so having all that documented, I think, was a real relief to me or just comfort knowing that that would be there as part of the, the course so yeah I, I know what to do it's just a matter of doing it in a way that's structured and not just kind of like all over the place yeah i want to zero in on that so let's go into that mindset of it's structured unstructured it's fractured yeah, to use your yeah. word mm -hmm. you have to do things like be in the crm write email yep. copy yeah What's that stopping you from doing? Uh, it's stopping me from from doing things um, in a more in a way that I would just feel more comfortable if if I knew uh, I had the space and the time to. As I said, it's I'll use an analogy. It's a bit like building a house, I guess, um, where I want to make sure the the foundation and the structure is really solid before you know even thinking about window dressing or color of the walls or something like that um 
that's my preference, but it sounds very idealistic, I think, because <laughs> when you're in marketing, you're always getting requests from, you know, left, right, and center to help with this thing or that thing. Uh, make something look pretty or help with this event. Um, and so just the very nature of it is I can't just work on the foundation first and not worry about all the other things because part of my job is is doing all the other things as well. So, yeah. Yeah. When you were counting this problem, did you speak to any of your colleagues about it? No. I kind of maybe just said accept that this is the reality of of being in a marketing team or working in, in a marketing function. I don't so you know just mentioned true. You just mentioned <laughs> them. You had to explain some things to them. What were you explaining to them? Uh, well, uh, they're, they're quite junior. So I, I think I was just trying to explain really fundamental differences uh, between the buying journey and how complex it is in a B2B setting compared mm-hmm. to making approaches as a consumer uh, because I think um, most people who don't work in marketing, they get their understanding of marketing from being consumers um, of, and, you know, watching TV commercials or, you know, seeing ads and then buying something. So the, the buying journey or the buying decision for a direct-to-consumer product tends to be a little bit simpler. Uh, less complex, whereas you enter the B2B realm and all of a sudden you've got a long sales cycle, multiple stakeholders, uh, you're, you're buying something with the business's money, not your own. There's more emotion attached to it. Um, there's just other, so many other layers of complexity in, in B2B marketing um, that I felt if the team didn't understand these things, they wouldn't understand all the downstream things that I'm trying to do. So getting them to see that side of things first and then carrying out with the execution be kind of step one. So you have this thoughts around any more structure mm-hmm. so I can focus on executing a little better. Okay. So when you, when you first started yeah. looking at or started thinking of, okay, I want to try and build more foundational pieces Mm-hmm. more structure, mm-hmm. before you got to the B2B playbook, do you recall what you tried to do to solve that problem? Oh, okay, yes. Um, yeah, I just tried to do it on my own, I guess. Uh, and in my head, the first piece was always, as I said to you, just understanding the customers as deeply as possible. Um, and so that for me was getting customer interviews, actually as much engagement with the actual customers as I could. Um, and that also meant um, going out with the sales team in their discovery calls, talking to the sales team, figuring out what they knew about the customers, what their experiences were like, and getting an understanding of the sales process as well um, as doing those market research type interviews. To me, in my mind, that's that was like that's always step one, no matter what company I'm working from or what kind of product I'm trying to sell. Uh, so I knew vaguely. I couldn't really move forward until that piece had been cemented in my mind. Um, and I did communicate this to Ed Starrett and my manager, and they kind of all agreed with me. Like, yeah, you know, go for it. You need to do this. You know, go and do oh, it. Wow. Otherwise, cool. you know, I just hate the feeling that when you're marketing, especially when you're crafting marketing messaging, you're just making stuff up because you're relying on 
third-party information or what the salespeople, not that I think the salespeople have it right, but sometimes what they perceive to be reality is different when you talk to the actual customer themselves. So um, I kind of knew roughly get that piece going first and then I can start executing on, on the other parts of marketing that I really want to get my teeth into. So there's this vague, vague structure in my mind, not documented, but in my kind of in my head, which I did communicate. Um, and I knew as soon as I got that piece in place, at the very least, I could move forward with a bit more confidence and with a bit more strategic thinking behind it. So you have all this great customer research. Yes. You start thinking about next steps. Yes. When did the B2B playbook sort of come into the picture? Do you recall when that was? Well, I knew about the B2B playbook even before I joined Ed Start. So I have to say that up front. Um, and really, that is because I knew George from LinkedIn, basically, and from his podcast. Um, and he has been communicating his 5Bs framework um, via LinkedIn all the time, quite consistently. So I, I end um, talking about it on his podcast. So I already knew that George had this worked out this kind of like overall structure that he had been using for his own business and for clients and that it was working quite well for him. Um, and because of the, the nature of George's posts on LinkedIn, I just felt like I knew I could trust him and that he knew what he was talking about. So in my mind already, I was like, you know, if ever I get a chance to work with George or do his course, I will, I will take it up because I think it will help me as a marketer and whatever team I'm working with to actually execute something, and not just kind of be scrambling. Even though I kind of knew what to do, like I said before, I think just having some kind of structure and assurance that someone else has already got this program that's working um, and that you can kind of follow and it makes sense would just be really helpful for me and the team. Um, so uh, I the, the idea of the B2B playbook was already floating in my mind since I had known George or knew him from LinkedIn. Um and it was just a matter of like asking the head of marketing at Ed Start if I could, um, if I could, you know, get budget for this uh, and use it. Um, and I had built up a business case already to present to the head of marketing, saying this is why I think we need it, this is how why it will help. But I didn't really need to go into detail. The head of marketing, I think, trusts me, um, and so I said, you know, if. If I buy this, I think we need it and we'll, it will make good use out of it. He just said, yes, then go for it. I had hoped that some of the, the marketing team would do the course with me as well, just so they could get that basic understanding of um, why we're doing the things we're doing, what the foundational pieces are first. Um, but they, they're they they're quite busy, so I um, had to relay some of the information pieces to them as I've gone through the course. Um, and then also, I should say, part of, of George's course is having sort of these templates or these documents to kind of like track all the, the work you're doing and have it there in a digital form so that other people can see it. So I plan to um, use those or tell ask the marketing team to kind of like go through those to kind of like get an understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it. So um, it's really good having all that documented. 
I just want to ask you something around the timeline of that. Mm-hmm. So you knew about B2B playbook, playbook and George mm-hmm. before when yes. you're at, I'm looking at, is it A A M? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, A-A-M. Why not bring them into the fold then? Oh, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to use George's book at AAM too, <laughs> but did you, I was did you just talk to someone about about it. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I, I would have eventually, honestly, um, at some point. I'm pretty sure because I was actually managing a team there, um, and I think I would have made the whole team go through the thing together. Uh, which I think would have been helpful and a bit more just sort of faster, you know, not not criticize anything, but yeah. So I done that at AM, but then I I just left for for reasons. I want to go with like what actually happened. Did you look at anyone else to compare? Did you look at anyone else? Um, I briefly. It's not. Comparing apples to apples, um, but there is uh, someone called Chris Walker, I think you both know, runs mm-hmm. an agency called Refine Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really the same thing, though. It's it's more like you would be outsourcing the work or kind of like getting consult consultation services um, with them. Um, I, I briefly looked at them and their pricing, and it was like way... I knew that we wouldn't have the budget for it, so that wasn't even um, mm-hmm. wasn't even like in a comparison set, but just kind of just out of curiosity. Um, so that was the only other alternative, really. And apart from that, it's me kind of doing it on my own, following my own um, sort of process or structure, which I never really sat down and thought through. Mm-hmm. So you get the green light. George is your guy. What did you do right after that? What did I what after that? What was your next step after you got the green light? Uh, I did a little happy dance. And then um, (laughs) I I enrolled in. Actually, I told um, someone else at EdStart about it. Uh, Someone in the sales team's name is Michael. Because I, I knew that Michael was quite interested in marketing and already was quite in tune with me um, because we had lots of one-on-one talks between the two of us about the nature of marketing and um, just kind of like how the way today's buyer, especially in B2B, but just across any kind of buying, um, the way people buy things today has massively changed, um, yet the way many companies sell to buyers hasn't caught up uh so i told michael about it i thought he'd be interested in doing this course as well just to get an understanding of marketing how to market in a way that aligns with how buyers are buying today and he um he decided to do the course with me so that was really cool getting someone in the sales team um involved because i think you know, marketing and sales, they just need to be going in the same direction because at the end of the day, we were trying to do, get the same thing. So, Before you talk to the head of marketing, did you look at the B2B Playbook's website? Sort of look at 
scroll through how they were yes. talking about. Yes, what were you, I did. What were you looking for at that point? Because were you sold at that point? or were... Yeah, I was sold. I was already sold without even having to go to the website. I think I was okay. going to the website to find things like the structure of the program. And I think George, maybe he posted about it on LinkedIn at one point saying, if you want to see um, the program and its content, click here and you'll see it. And so I did look at that and you could see that there was a very structured process to it. You know, module one is do this, step two is do this, and all the sub subheadings and steps that go underneath that. Um, I mean, I kind of, it was reassuring. I kind of knew or suspected that George would have some kind of structured program in place, but seeing it written out is just kind of like, you know, cementing um, my my knowledge or my trust that the program was was structured and documented. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, even if there wasn't a website, I probably would still want to do it, just given the nature of being a listening to George's podcast. Um, I just trusted him from from those things. Do you recall anything that seemed like it might have been too good to be true or a stretch? Remember, George is in here, so you won't hurt his feelings. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there might be some hesitancy as to how long or how established the actual program is. Uh, like it might be a it seemed like a fairly new thing, uh, but at the same time, I, yeah, it was just such a minor one, and I, I'm not exaggerating. I just really trusted um, George because of the content that I heard on his podcast and him really explaining the Find Bees framework so well in the podcast um, that I kind of just knew it would make sense to do it and that there was there was some thought and structure behind it, it would really help me so the podcast and linkedin were really places where i'd consume george's content way before buying b2b joining the cohorts that i kind of already knew what i was in for and that i could trust the direction of it I want to talk about the course in a little bit. We have about less than 10 minutes left. But I want to go back to sort of when you're first starting to think of the B2B play. Mm. And sort of actually before that, when you're thinking about building that foundation, you're mm. listening to George's podcast. Mm. You, you know, you hear a lot of the great value he's giving. Mm. What concerns did you have about taking that customer research that you did and just trying to build the foundation yourself? I my main concern was that I would just get so caught up in the day-to-day -day running of marketing activities. Um, like I said, just being the jack of all trades, helping with events or writing social media posts or whatever, that I would neglect or not really neglect, maybe deprioritize that foundational work, even though even though I knew it like deep down, I can't move forward without it. 
Yeah, because part of that whole foundation building stuff, it is, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. It's not straightforward. It does take quite a bit of time and concentration. And sometimes when you're doing so busy doing other things, it's, it's easy to kind of like push it aside and say, I'll do it when I have more time. And then that day never really comes. And so like just making sure I, I'm blocking that time to actually do it that and knowing that sometimes that wouldn't happen that made me like really hesitant and afraid um so i think also part of the the appeal of doing the course was that when you're doing it as a cohort and you paid for it you have to make that time because you know it starts paying for me to do this i have to set that time aside and actually do the course and do the work um and not use excuses of, oh, I'm so busy doing all the other things. Like, I need to get stuff done. Yeah. Okay. So, school starts, class yep. starts. Yeah. Before you, 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 you get there, what expectations did you have? Or, what, you know, what were you thinking would happen? Um, yeah, I was thinking, um, I would magically, like I said to you, prioritize this and set time aside to do it. <laughs> I mean, no, it's no reflection on George or the chorus, but it's just the nature of like reality. Um, not that I haven't, you know, gone into the sessions and watched the materials and stuff like that, but I almost felt like I was back at university where, you know, you, you have to listen to all these lectures and you know you're, you're in the group session tomorrow so you like quickly catch up so that you're ready to talk and not like just sitting looking like you don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but still, like, that has been valued, like, making me, like, making me do, do the work and, um, and do, this, do this stuff advised in the course. How did it line up with your expectations that first week or two of, of doing of going through the material? Um, yeah, the first week is good. Again, it's it's a bit like when you first start uni, you're like all fresh and oh yeah, I'm like gonna really do the work and do the course and I'm gonna be structured and disciplined about it. And I'm not gonna like leave things the last minute. Uh, and then, <laughs> then I don't know if it's just yeah. me, <laughs> like maybe like no, I think everyone just, was like that. Like, just, not alone, Monica. Life comes in, it takes over, and it's like, oh, yeah. I got to do all these other things and this other project and that other thing, and then it's kind of like yeah. you push it aside. Um, so that that was the reality that hit me. I'm curious if you've implemented any of the learnings, any like quick wins, since you've started taking the course. Uh, I filled in two of the templates. I think one is from the the be ready. Um, part and the second one is the be helpful stage um, and that has just I think helped to clarify messaging for me which is really important um, and having it in one place uh, instead of having different documents scattered everywhere that had different pieces of messaging and why um, and I'm keen to share that with the rest of the team and not just marketing, but sales as well. Um, 
So no, I haven't, no quick wins yet, um, but definitely plan to make use of those assets. How, how far along are you at this point? In the... uh, we're almost at the end. I think we're in week 12. Okay. So this is the last okay. one. Yeah. What was really, really great? What was one thing where you're like that, that made, going back to all those things you're talking about, foundational mm. um, structure, mm -hmm. jack of all trades, not a lot mm. of time. What was one thing so far that's been really great? The one thing that's been really great is, yeah, that, that George has taken the time to think about one, not one document, but sort of like a series of documents that are all kind of linked to each other. So the framework is already there and it's kind of like, I just have to fill it in. I need to do the work, of course, to get those answers, but it's just fill it in and it's there and it's ready to go. As opposed to me setting time aside to like think, okay, got all these different pieces. I need to like put it together and have it sort of like live in a place where everyone can access it. And it's not just in my head. It's actually out onto like some digital format that can be shared uh, and reused and adjusted and all in one place. That is for me like the, the best thing about it so far. What's something that maybe could have gone better? Uh, yeah, I can't. It's probably more to do with me than the course itself, but just having like making the time to, to do the work in tandem with everything else. Um, and it would have been better, I think, if the rest of the marketing team did it with me, or at least one or two of them, especially the ones that are uh, involved in in the content side of things, um, did it alongside of me. So we had that shared understanding of who the customer is, the kind of content we need to create in order to help them, how we're going to distribute it. Um, because now that I've done it solo, I have to set time aside to then relay that information back to them. Whereas if they had, yeah. we had gone through it together, it's kind of like we wouldn't have to do that piece of it. So. So when we first started talking, you're mentioning strategy as being sort of your key responsibility, trying to really tie things to revenue, really bring marketing to the fold as part of like the business engine. Mm. How are you thinking about those responsibilities now? after going through the incubator? Um, what's key, changed? What's changed? But how you think about them or how you're approaching them? Um, well, uh, nothing's changed in terms of, I still think that that should be part of my remit and part of the remit of the marketing function in general, having that strategic direction. Um, but what's changed now I think having some kind of document uh, around showing how we've come to these conclusions. So, um, you know, how have we how have we come to the realization that the market, the segment we're going after is this one? How have we come to the realization that this is the type of content that is going to help this segment that we're going after? said instead of that all just being in my head or in scattered in documents that only I know about it's all gathered in one place now um, at least to help me 
explain to the rest of the business uh, that this is direction, this is why we think this is direction. These are all the, the source documents that helped me to come to this conclusion. And you can see it all there. It's all linkable. There's, I'm not making this shit up. It's like, it's from customer interviews and stuff like that. Like, I'm not just, you know, throwing things at the wall. There's like the rationale behind it. Um, I think, and that will just get, give me confidence as well that I'm not just guessing or building yeah. things based on assumption. It's all there. It's all documented. All the source knowledge is there. The analysis is there. You can see it for yourself. It's a bit like, I guess, you know, when you're writing an essay back in your university days, you come up with an argument, but then you have to supplement that, say how you came, to, why you're making this argument. What's the evidence? So all the evidence is there. Last question I have then, like if we remove all that, that you're talking about, all those documentations, the rationale, mm. what would be the fallout of that? Like what would continue to happen? What would continue to happen? Oh, well, now that those things are in place, we can actually do proper demand chain. Just like my the thing I'm most passionate and excited about is um, creating content, um, helpful content to our ICP and putting it in places where they are, so that when they read it, they come to trust EdStart as a company that can help them solve X, Y, and Z. Um, and eventually, at some point, it might not happen overnight, but I know it will happen. Um, that will lead to pipeline and revenue those are all my questions so if you have anything that pops in your head over the next few days that does happen mm -hmm. please don't be shy to send me an email send me a linkedin always happy to take all that and put it into the research but you did great okay excellent wow <clears throat> that was uh that was awesome thank you so much guys uh ryan you were a master i just can't help myself when I do these customer interviews, I'm constantly jumping in and I just need to control myself. Um, just like the way that you kept prodding and referring back, like just drew so much more out than I think I get out of customer interviews. Um, that was great to see. Really, really Thank great you. to see. Yeah, there's a few, if I may, like there's, so there's a few, the way that I sort of approach it really quickly the first little bit's just icebreaker stuff. Everyone does that. That's like normal things we do in social scenarios. But I, I like talking about the role because the role then starts to help the person think about like what they do. Like, what do I care? Because then that starts to warm their memory around, you know, the pain that they have because that's what I'm going to next. All right. When you talk to people, it's really hard for them to answer questions directly, give information on a dime they have to start making all these connections in their brain so you can see that typically around minute 10 so that's usually what i go through and then we start i go through a narrative i try to stick to a narrative as much as i can which i was talking about timelines but if you noticed it was around minute 31 i went back and asked her and uh, monica about like okay so you know what were you hoping to solve with x all that stuff we talked about 30 minutes ago because I can, I know I'm going to get a probably really good answer now that we start thinking and talking about it. Because I've had people tell me that in interviews, they've said, I never thought of my job or how I buy or whatever, right? In this context, in this way. 
So you, but your job as the interviewer is to sort of lead them to that eventual conclusion. It just takes a bit of time. So I've done customer interviews before. I've, the longest one I've done has been maybe 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, and usually it's because we're trying to ask someone who's already busy is doing something else. And I try to, you're trying to get them to help you. So it's like, this is going to be 15 minutes. Is that just really in your experience, just not enough time to get into the level of depth that you have shown is possible because you need that time to warm them up, get them to think about things before, you know, probing again and again to try and get yeah. stuff from them? I don't think it is. Other researchers will tell you it is. I would mm -hmm. disagree with them. Yeah. Um, but let's just say that is all you have. Sometimes that's all you have. Say on our show floor, let's say events are back, mm. right? And you have 15 minutes to mm. talk with someone and try and get at it. Yeah. Then I always say my advice is strip everything away that's not relevant and focus okay. on where you want to learn the most. So say I spent 23 minutes talking. It might not have felt like it. may have felt like longer. may have felt like shorter, but, it was, but I was keeping track. 23 mm -hmm. minutes on your role and sort of the initial pains I almost mm -hmm. went into 30. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to get more out of what you were saying, Monica, because it's like, okay, you're a bit, but maybe all I'd want to talk about is your pains and challenges within a 15 minute. Now you won't get as much depth, but at least you'll get some highlights. For me, I like to speak with people for about 45 minutes a minute. Okay. Which sounds like a lot of time. No, I know you. it's not. I know it's yeah, not. Yeah, if you yeah. get people to talk with you for yeah. 40, 40 minutes, you'll get a yeah. lot. And how I will preface it is usually, let's talk for half an hour. I didn't say this in the beginning of our chat. Let's talk for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. If it's really going good, can I keep you for an extra five? Yeah, but then I'll keep you for 10. <laughs> that's yeah, it. I found that as well. Like people are hesitant to do it, but because you're getting them to talk about themselves, they just like the time flies for them too. And they're like happy to yap away. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's just the initial, oh, this marketer wants to talk to me. It's like more than 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say yes. And it's like, oh. It's tough. I'm yeah. not going to lie. That's the toughest part is getting people's attention. But there's yeah. ways to help with that. What about George? Any other questions or thoughts you want to cover? Um, did you have any other questions at all, Monica, around the, like Ryan's process at yeah. all? No, I like the icebreaker stuff. And I know you took some time to kind of get me comfortable and thinking about things. Uh, but it comes back to, again, like, what if you've only got 15 minutes and they've told you, look, I don't, it's got a hard deadline to me. And I really like, it. Yeah. you know, so you, I guess you sometimes might just have to cut that off and go straight into the yeah. hard reporter mode and start firing yeah. away questions. Or you can just break it down into parts of the buying journey, right? So you could focus yeah. on just the role and responsibility. Yeah. Then you can just focus on challenges uh, in their job. Then, you, Or you can focus on just how they research. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about how you walk through, you know, walk me through your process for finding a solution. Or you can just walk through the sales and evaluation side. I will typically do that all in my work. But you can even just focus on one of those things, right? That's another way to get at it. Because if you talk to at least minimum seven of people on just how they research different solutions, nothing else, you'll still get some really good, and insights. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. 
It is tough, though. So you yeah. really try and limit the the objective of what you're trying to cover as much as possible. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things too, with, uh, not necessarily didn't need to come up here, but I'm, I'm incentivizing people more and more in market uh, because people in market have different thoughts around your, your category and your vertical than someone who is your long-standing customer who just bought your product or service. They are very interesting to talk to because they will give you insights that you might not have thought of. So I'm doing more and more of that work. But incentivization is always a really a good way to get someone to pay attention for 45 minutes. Yes. I recall you um, talking about that in your video course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes sense. What kind of level of incentivization have you landed on, Ryan, that seems to be enough to get oh, people to man. an interview? So it depends on the role, right? So middle manager in your average company headcount, let's just say SMB 100 to 250 people, you can probably get away for $75 US for an hour. It's creeping up now, I found in the last little bit. Inflation affects everything. Um, you know, I'm seeing except wages. anywhere from yeah, one twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except wages. I'm seeing like one twenty-five to one fifty. Um, I I usually actually start around one hundred to one twenty-five because I want to get a good quality of participants. Uh, if you're trying to go to a director level VP, you're probably starting around two fifty to three fifty US for an hour, and if you want to get C-suite. Which is good luck. Um, you know, I've seen as high as 600, 750 US for an hour. But the way I always frame it for people now is think of it as a consulting call. You are getting this person's, you know, knowledge and experience for an hour across whatever you want to learn. Normally you would pay for something like that, right? So it's just a different tool for marketers to get at insights because um you know not every company can do that um there's a lot of blockers when it comes to research uh whether it's sales or in monica's case you know concerned about wasting taking up people's time Mm -hmm. um there's a whole slew of reasons why it's hard for people this is another tool that a marketer can use to bypass all that stuff it's I'm finding I'm using it more and more with my clients. Awesome. Uh, Monica, unless you have any other questions, <clears throat> Ryan, did you want to like, maybe just tell us a little bit about, I guess your process after this, like, so yeah. I oh guess, yeah, that's right. Cause we're going to be showing that too. Show this as well in the video, but like what even yeah. happens now? So what I do next is, if this was a full cohort of research, so let's just say 7 to 12 interviewees, all that would get put into the software I use, which is called Dovetail. And it's a research software. Um, it's a great one. It's, you know, I call it the Cadillac because it's it can do so much. And I, I barely scratch the surface of how much you can do with this tool. It's used mostly in qualitative research. If you go to their website, you'll see all the big logos that of all the companies we know uh, who use this tool. 
But what I will be doing, in essence, is transcribing her entire interview. I'll be re-watching and re-listening because I go through all, the, all of it again so I can sort of take it in. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get... It's a lot of cognitive load to try and remember something in one pass um, and then, or just jump in again without re-watching material. You want to sort of get your brain back mindset. And I will start... I'll watch it through once to get a sense of how the conversation went along against the objectives that I have written out. And then I'll start highlighting all the object, all the answers that fit into each bucket. So what I have for our objectives is, you know, roles and responsibilities, how they discovered the incubator, uh, you know, any triggers that caused the search and so on. And I'm going to take Monica's answers and start applying them to those different objectives. Then I'm just going to get to an aggregate of those answers and it's going to spit out sort of an overall answer, right? I would do that with a, sample, a full cohort of sample size of like seven, 12 people for full research. And that's it. And I'll, yeah, I'm going to be recording a video and be walking people through exactly how this looks like. And then I'll be highlighting what I think we can use for copy, content ideas, all that really, really good stuff. But then now I'll go to the next person. And I think, I don't know who it is. I'm sure you'll tell people. But they're going to take all that and and run with it and hopefully craft some. Yeah, that'll go to Jess Cook from Lasso next, and she's going to help us uh, rework our landing page based on yeah. all these insights. I see, um, like, and my job I see is like the researcher because this is how I I do it with my clients. This is how I do it when I'm in house with companies. Is I get you know things primed and ready so they have like the best best stuff. So they'll still probably want to go to the research highlight, but at least they have a direction of where it's going Yeah, and Jess is going to help us with like the copywriting and that kind of side yeah. as well. So That's awesome. Wow. I, uh, it was a real treat for me to see, to be like, <laughs> to see the master in action oh. at an interview. It's, um, it's a you. skill. Nice I think it really takes a lot of practice and thought. So thank you. Me too. Thank you so much, Ryan. And Monica, thank you so much for your time. I know that was an hour of prodding and poking. And uh, I think Ryan made it as comfortable as possible. But <laughs> I tried. I did my best. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Monica. Ryan, have a Bye. lovely evening. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.